This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special broadcast with babybrunch.co.za. My name is Ilana, Africa Bredenkamp, and I'm very excited to speak to our guest for this week, Mimi Nicklin. She's an experienced marketer. I realized yesterday when we had a chat that she still holds a corporate position with her team. We'll talk about that in a while. She's a mom and she's a well-known empathetic leader. Mimi Nicklin, a warm welcome to Baby Brunch at Zere. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I want to talk about empathy and why you have called yourself an empathy leader. What makes you an empathy leader? Nick. Anyone can be an empathetic leader. It's a choice. Um, so for me, you know, I, I, I've just finished a book about it. So I talk about it a lot um, to try and raise awareness. I mean, that's really my purpose is just to get more people talking about empathy because we have an empathy deficit in the world. We have a lack of empathy and uh, it's a 30 year decline of empathy levels around the world. So um, being an empathetic leader or an empathetic parent or an empathetic friend um, is a choice that everyone, everyone can make. And for me, it's a choice that I made. So that's how I choose to live my life and my business. So the one thing that we talk about is owning our success, right? Because as moms and as dads, we need to, we need to tell people who we are, right? So if I had to listen to what you had to say, if I asked you, what did you do before and what are you doing at the moment? What would you say? Wow. Um, I mean, I've been in advertising my whole career, um, for about seven years of it. I was in South Africa. Um, Yay. Yay. My favorite place. Um, but for the rest of that 15 year career, I've been all around the world. So London, Singapore, Hong Kong, now Dubai, um, running advertising agencies or being part of big advertising agency teams when I was um, younger. Now I, I still do that. Um, but as I said, I've written a book and I now have a breakfast show and a podcast, um, which takes up all of my personal life around the conversation around empathy and how we can drive more kindness, as you said, and empathy into the world. Secrets of the Gap is Mimi's podcast and it's available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And the book she's talking about is Softening the Edge, which we said uh, on, I read your press releases, on all of them it says available August 2020. Why is there a need for us to be empathetic? Do you know, you should probably say, are there any reasons for us not to be empathetic? Because it's such, for me, it's such an important topic, but actually for the world, it's such an important topic. Um, as I said, we've had this 30 year decline in empathy levels um, and there are all kinds of social impacts of what happens when you have too little empathy. Um, areas such as anxiety, depression, loneliness, even suicide has been proven to be linked to low empathy societies or cultures. Um, but yeah, there are many, many uh, outputs of having low empathy in the workplace or in the world. And fundamentally, what it means is that there's a disconnect between us as people. And when you have more and more disconnect between us, all of us, 
problems arise, problems of disconnection, misunderstanding, loneliness, isolation, um, or simply just less effective workplace environments or team cultures. So yeah, there's many reasons why uh, more empathy can, can create a really positive impact. I was really inspired when I knew that I could have empathy for breakfast. How did you come up with a concept? Do you know what? Um, nobody likes to find opportunity in a crisis, but when this COVID-19 crisis hit and I found myself at home, which um, has now been four months, so we're a little bit ahead here than you as we sit today, um, I had time. I had time to think. Mm. I had time to reflect and to look at the world differently. And as you said, I'm a mom, I have a little girl. Um, and I wanted to put some of this passion and purpose into the world. I mean, obviously I have my book, but it's months away still. Um, and I had always had this dream, I guess, of, of having a breakfast, a real breakfast, like in the real world, when we weren't all wearing masks and socially distanced. Um, and it felt like this was the time. It felt like the world was saying, sit back, look at what you're doing, work out what you want and you know how can you do good in the world what's your purpose how can you make a difference um, and that resulted in empathy for breakfast which is a very short uh, breakfast show once a week that talks about empathy in all kinds of visors and I've been overwhelmed by how many people like you want to watch it so thank you <laughs> I want to watch it I want to tune in every Tuesday you have an idea because every morning at eight o'clock I make a phone call to someone who I really like and someone who inspires me and I know that when I win the morning, Tim Ferriss said this, he said, if you win the morning, you win the day. And you offering an opportunity of kindness and peacefulness and, and empathy to someone who is in lockdown. Uh, we don't understand COVID-19. So, so Mimi is in Dubai and that's why she said that they're ahead of this. But if someone offered me empathy for breakfast, of course I want it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I do want kindness and I want to start the day on a, on a better note than most because my job my, my purpose in life is to make people happier they must be happy when they meet me but I can make them happier <laughs> so that's really cool if you want to know about empathy for breakfast you should also follow Mimi on her on her channel so her website is miminicklin.com uh, and then also on uh, LinkedIn it's it's with a forward slash or the hashtag uh, forward slash uh, Mimi Nicklin Listen, so, okay, so, so you start these empathy breakfasts. How did you know how to, because what you do really well in them on a Tuesday is we, we're all on Zoom. And, yeah. and your kindness and your stories shine through this camera. Is, is, is authenticity and peace within ourselves necessary to become empathetic? Do we have to be all Zen and thought through, have meditated for hours, prayed to the gods before we can show empathy to someone? Or is it something that comes naturally like emotions? Yeah, you know, Alana, empathy is, um, it's a skill, actually. It's a skill that we all have, and it's a skill that we're born with. Um, it's a skill that's behind much of modern civilization, right? Um, it's something that sits in the brain in what's called the prefrontal cortex of our brain, the part of the brain that's responsible uh, for having those types of emotions. And like all skills, like riding a bike or cooking or any of those things, the more you practice, the better you get. Um, so no, you don't have to be all Zen and meditated and, and yogi. Um, you simply have to make the decision to do so. And actually there's research that shows with people from simply making the decision to be more empathetic, 
makes you more empathetic. Um, and that's due to something called neuroplasticity, which is our brain's ability to change, right? When you give your brain new stimulus or new experiences, it actually changes. That's how humans are so amazing. So simply by telling yourself that you want to be more empathetic with your children, with your partner, with your friends, um, that decision will make you more empathetic. It, it is a skill and it is a choice and we're all totally capable of it. There's a very famous philosopher that talked about where there is no joy, right? If you think that you have joy, eventually you become joyful. So if you, if you focus on the joy, you will become joyful um, because it, it's that whole saying, fake it to make it, right? So you're faking your brain into, into thinking that you are kind or faking your brain into thinking that you can exert more love. But I want to stay with moms and dads in the workplace within COVID lockdown or outside. You know, as a, as a business owner, if you are... If you are kind and involved, people think you're too emotional. You know, why are you such an emotional boss or leader? And the opposite is um, you are just unkind or rough or too harsh, you know. So explain, first of all, explain empathy to us. And then also empathy in business leaders, marketers, uh, our leadership. How, how can we be empathetic? At the end of the day, empathy is about perspective taking. So it's not, it's not a soft, emotional, overly fluffy skill, right? It, it, it's just about perspective taking. It's about understanding the context or the reality or, or the feelings of somebody else. And that is a survival skill on, on two levels, right? As individuals, because even in this conversation, right, we're understanding each other, we're, we're talking, we're communicating, we're looking at each other in the eye, even through a screen. Um, and as groups, whether that's in a business context or a team or a community center, being able to empathize with people that you're on a team with, being able to understand what drives them, what are they in it for, why are they turning up every Sunday, for example, allows you to serve each other better. So at its simplest, that is what empathy is. And whatever your leadership style, you can bring in empathy because it's about listening. It's about hearing people. It's about seeing them. And fundamentally, as human beings, when we, see, uh, when we feel seen or heard, we do better. We thrive. We grow. It's just the fundamentals of human nature. For children, it's exactly the same. You know, there's a reason why parenting books always tell you to come down to the level of a toddler uh, because they, they feel seen. You know, they, it's, and it's the same. I write about it in my book. It's the same at a business meeting. I don't come down to their level. I don't kneel down. But looking at people in the eye, making eye contact, leaning in, hearing people, these are just human skills. You, do you think with empathy, if it's something that we can learn or adapt or become more of, we become more respectful and we become more kind or peaceful? Because actually hearing you and listening to what you have to say, I have no distractions around me. And all I'm focused on is what you are thinking at the moment and what you have to say to me. Does that, does that make us more respectful and, and kinder? So I, I'm trying to get to parenting in a while. I mean, we're still talking business. But does that make us kinder leaders? Yeah, I mean, I think um, kindness in leadership is, is a difficult um, concept because kindness is a very uh, subjective term, right? Mm -hmm. And what you think 
kind and what somebody else think is kind may be different things. Um, so that's, it, it's a little tricky. But in my experience, for sure, one thing that we do know is that empathy is contagious to some extent. I love so, that! <laughs> so, <laughs> it's nice, right? So if you empathize with your team, they will naturally empathize more with each other and with you. So in that respect, yes, you become a more respectful, cohesive, connected team. And in my experience, for sure, that makes for a more kind environment and kinder leadership. But I just tend to sort of urge a little way from it because particularly in big corporates or, or slightly older leaders from an older leader, leader mindset, when you put the word kind in, they sort of go, no, this is business. We don't do kind. Empathy doesn't have to be about kindness but it can be i'm loving how empathy involves someone else's feelings and someone else's heart or putting yourself in their shoes in order to then in a business setup to be successful you know i would much rather want to work with someone who has an ear to listen to me um than not i guess you know do, do you think that it's it's easier for women to be empathetic oh alana that's such a <laughs> Um, contentious only in that there's such a stereotype that it is um, look I think women naturally empathize more often because in most societies even highly professional successful women in most occasions we have a caring role whether that's for children for your parent uh, for, for your dog your cat right um, so we are caregivers men are too I'm not saying they're not but you know there is a natural inclination to, to caregiving which means that often women um, use their empathy a little bit more frequently and as I said given it's a skill that means they're more practiced at it from a leadership point of view uh, I don't think it's the case at all I think that um, there are for example, there are a handful of empathetic leaders around the world who are doing a really, really good job, um, and lots of them are men. So I always talk about leadership skills being maternal and paternal, and that all of us should have both of them, right? That I am, I'm a very emotional leader. I'm a very empathetic leader. That doesn't mean I don't make hard decisions and, you know, get stuff done. Um, so, you know, I think all types of leaders have both types. I mean, Satya Nadella, who is the CEO of Microsoft, yeah. um, he's only the third ever CEO of that business in the last six years, has returned $1 trillion to his shareholders. Nice. Um, very much a man, an older man, making a lot of money and, and is a huge proponent um, and supporter of empathy. So, yeah, whilst I think there are some natural inclinations, it's by no means sort of um, yin and yang. And I think from a leadership point of view, many of the world leaders uh, exhibiting these skills, the CEO of Whole Foods, the same, uh, the CEO of Cisco Systems, the same. These are men that are using empathy, uh, not just to be good people, but to drive serious amounts of money and growth. So there is a definite return on investment there. Wonderful. Empathy, a return on investment. Before we get to our parenting chat, which I really want to do, you, you are a leader, as I mentioned earlier, your CV is impressive because you've had the opportunity to lead many people in big organizations. As someone who leads a team at the moment, I mean, your team is like, what, like 30 people strong at the moment? Wow. Yeah. Name an actual example where you were in a situation where you had to be empathetic, just in case we don't know how to practice it. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I think one of the, that's a great question. And, and the reason it's a great question is because people think 
this means big changes or expensive changes. But um, there are lots of parts of empathy. But as I said, one of them is the ability to listen. And I I, I don't know why this comes to mind, but one of the things I did when we were turning around um, this business was change the seating arrangement in the office uh, because it wasn't optimal. And one of the things I knew was that making that decision without talking to the people whom we were moving (laughs) would be extremely unempathetic because I run an advertising agency and particularly in the creative industries, people are very connected to where they sit especially designers because of light and windows and inspiration and all those creative things. Um, So that example comes to mind. It was simply in talking to those people and saying, listen, guys, we should move the office around. It's a good idea because it's going to make the office a better place. We're going to have more space, light, whatever. But tell me how you feel about that. How how do you feel about where you're sitting? Um, Do you mind if you move? And if so, uh, let's talk about that. Why would you mind? What difference does it make? Um, that's tiny, you know, but it makes a big difference. And, and when you do that with your team, you gain trust, you gain loyalty, uh, you build relationships because they know that even with the small things, their leaders interested, interested in hearing what they think. It was the same with the coffee machine. I, I always talk about this, you know, I did a little questionnaire about how we can make work a better place. And so many people said they needed better coffee. And so we did it in like a week. So simply by changing the coffee machine, you're showing people that you heard them, that you understand what's important. And, and those are small things. So there are big examples too. We turned around a whole business based on empathy, but they're just some small things to bring to life. How simply listening to your team can really change how they perceive things. Wow. I love the coffee machine idea. Okay. So I'm going to replay this to some people. <laughs> In our previous podcast, Why Couples Fight, we talk about feelings and emotions quite extensively. And uh, our psychologist, Janine Wu, she, she touched on quite a few things. I want to talk about because in that podcast, we talked about why it's useful to, to fight or to differ with someone and when the right time would be in order to fight. But how can we as parents or single mom, single dad, be empathetic in a relationship with each other and then also to child or children? Yeah, look, as I said earlier, being empathetic is a choice. So you can choose where you bring that to life and to to what extent. Um, I think in relationships, it's an incredibly important part. Um, You know, being able to understand each other and arguably being able to understand each other better or in a more deep way than other people understand that person is part of what makes your relationship your relationship, right? And and obviously I'm talking about relationships that are together versus single parents. Uh, That's a a different sort of uh, situation. Um, But relationships are born on being seen and heard and understood you know that's I would argue that most successful marriages or relationships there is empathy you understand each other and and there's a specialness to that understanding um so as I said I think you know it's it's something that you can imbue in your relationships um one way to to sort of always uh, think about this is that one of the core pillars of empathy is that it is about not judging so it is about the opposite of judgment and you know in a relationship we all make individual decisions all the time and it's very easy to jump to assumption or presumption when someone does something that maybe you were surprised at or you didn't like or any of those things but when you come at those situations from a point of view of empathy the first thing is curiosity try and understand why did they do that ask them you know and and when they're explaining 
don't listen to revert, to respond, listen to understand. Um, because curiosity is sort of the, the first step to connection, I think, in, in all facets. So staying curious, trying to always provoke that judgment-free understanding. You don't have to agree, and Alana, this is such a key part. Being empathetic doesn't mean you have to agree. You don't have to like what they say. No. You just have to try and understand what they're saying. So I think that's really important. Your, your you. article, The Power of Empathetic Parenting, Guidelines for Creating Closer Bonds with Your Child. I want to swallow that whole title because all of it is just so yummy. Furthermore, you talk about empathizing with each other pulls us closer together as a family unit. Loved that. Do you want to speak to that? Because it's the one that I highlighted. I mean, all of them are really cool. Uh, I'll go through it now, but um, you can, I'm sure it's on Mimi's timeline if you go on Facebook right now, but empathizing with each other pulls us closer together as a family unit. Why is that? Because the reality is as human beings that when we understand each other, we connect. It's, it's part of how we developed as, as people. Um, and if you look all the way back at kind of cavemen era, um, empathizing with your tribe which is what your family is right it's like your tribe of people um, was how we survived and thrived so you know even in those environments being able to understand for example in caveman days if someone ate something that made them sick being able to empathize with them understand would tell that person not to eat the same thing because they would also get sick um, so being able to understand those that we share a home with that we share a life with enables so much more cohesion um, in children but also in adults um, feeling that you are understood uh, creates safety mm -hmm. and if um, the listeners know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs which is uh, originally a business model but it's um, if you google it you can read a little bit about it he was a very famous um, thinker in the business environment or the social environment and what he said was in this hierarchy of needs that all of humanity have, the very bottom, the very basic thing that we need to thrive is safety and security. Mm. Very much interconnected with, with, with love and, and those types of things. Um, and empathy is that. Because when a child or, or anyone in the family feels understood, they feel safe. So even if you have someone who has... Um, made a mistake or has a learning difficulty or some bad behavior or is being bullied or any of those things. Mm -hmm. If you feel as a child, a teenager, or even, you know, a partner that you're in an environment where you're understood, um, you can overcome those things because you feel connected. There's more cohesion. There's more balance in that home. Um, so there's no ends really to, to why it works. It just does because mm -hmm. As all people, we want to be understood. We want to be connected. We want to be safe. What, what other, I don't want to call them tips. They're more like guideposts. Can you give us to, to cultivate empathy within our relationship with our children? Yeah, like I, um, I'm not an expert in this. You know, I want to be really honest. I'm not a child psychologist or, or any of those things. But what I can do is tell you um, what I've learned as a mum based on what I've studied for a few years because I've been studying empathy and empathetic influence for a couple of years now um, and researching it. So some of the things that I think are really valuable that, that I've learned and used um, in my life and, and also in my work, but as a mum, 
The first is that you need to be the change that you want to see. So children copy everything, right? They, they copy everything when they're growing up, especially their mums and dads. They just, you know, they think we, we walk on water. They think we're brilliant. Yeah, um, that's right. We're brilliant, Mimi. Yeah, we're amazing. We're totally amazing. So, um, yeah, so obviously practicing what you preach um, yeah. is, is really important with kids. So teaching them how to behave empathetically um, is so much about... Um, you know, showing them, being empathetic with others, being kind to others, and um, showing them how we can understand people that are not like ourselves. And I think, you know, there's many things going on in the world today that would argue that our children are growing up in a world where they don't necessarily understand that. You know, there's too much isolation uh, between different types of people, different countries, different backgrounds, contexts, all of those things. Um, so the first one I would say is, um, you know, to role model that. Um, as I said earlier, empathy is kind of contagious. So I see it with my little girl for sure, for sure, uh, that the more I do it and the more I tell her why I'm doing that, the more naturally it comes to her uh, in empathizing with others. And she is, and I'm not just saying that, she's, a, she's three and she's, she's very empathetic, but then she would be because, uh, you know, that's, that's how I am. Um, the second thing would be around asking versus telling. And I think this is really uh, difficult, but also really poignant, um, which is it's very easy for us to spend our time. And I know everybody listening, I have a toddler, I'm a single mom, like I know how hard this is, but it's easy to keep telling children what they should feel, where they should go, why they shouldn't do things, you know, we, because that's part of our job, right? Our job is to guide them, but also asking them and asking them um, how they feel, asking them things like, I imagine you feel like this, am I right? and letting them tell you. Um, if they tell you they can't do something, so mummy, you asked me to, I don't know, put the dishes in the dishwasher, but I can't do it. You know, instead of just saying why, because it's very defensive, right? This works in the workplace as well. Ask them, what's stopping you? Darling, what's stopping you? Why, why, you know, what's stopping you doing that? What you'll see is that even little children, it activates their subconscious. You'll see their eyes go up or, or down because they're thinking, and they'll tell you the real reason. So asking them for those things um, is really, really important and finding ways to get your child to open up. And in fact, my little girl said to me this morning, Ilana, she said, um, mommy, crying is okay, isn't it? And I said, absolutely. Definitely. Crying, crying is, a, is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Being sad is difficult, but we cry to express ourselves. Um, and, you know, being able to understand that and give them those outlets, I think is, is, really, is really important. So yeah, that would be my second one. And, and the third one, I think I wrote about it as well, was, it was around gratitude, which yeah. is a word that is thrown around everywhere, like it's super trendy. Yeah. But it's also very powerful. And um, definitely being able to teach children to see things from another perspective. So um, if they have a, a secondary caregiver, a grandparent, or somebody else in the home, um, helping them see things from their perspective and being grateful for that is another way, a really good way to teach them to understand how other people feel. Uh, being grateful for the people that are in their life and how their lives are and how they're experiencing things, even from, from two, two and a half years old, yeah. they always understand. But you can start those conversations, um, giving them ways to imagine how others feel and to be grateful uh, for that. So yeah, hopefully those are a couple of interesting thoughts. 
It definitely is. And I'll, I'll tell you what happened this week. So I stumbled upon a blog over the weekend and then decided that for seven days, I'm going to keep a gratitude journal. Now, what I found is, is that with a gratitude journal, I've never been consistent. Okay. I'll write in it for two days and then I'll forget about it or, but what I found started happening is I started writing things that I don't want. Okay. So I forgot the purpose of this book in the first place. I started writing things that I don't want and then under it, what I do want, and then also the things that I'm grateful for. And it's amazing how much less, first of all, I need to discuss it with my partner because sometimes we can indoctrinate and convince them that there's a problem when there's not. But also I found that this week after doing some notes, and I mean, they're not even in a neat handwriting. Some of them I wrote when I was really tired or really early in the morning. I just found that, that this week I feel a lot more grateful for, for things around me and simple things. Um, the health of my three-year-old that keeps it in so long that she becomes constipated or the fact that I, I know, right? Or, or the fact that I can be at home and, and work from here sometimes because in South Africa, it's very difficult now that um, most of us don't have jobs, you know? So, so gratitude on little and big things um, so it's such an important, you, you just said it now to the, the power of gratitude. And yes, you're right. It is a word um, that we're using as much as recycling and biodegradable and <laughs> what else? Uh, being eco-friendly. <laughs> yeah, all those. Um, but it does, you know, Alana, I, again, I'm, I'm not an expert in, in gratitude and there are many out there, but uh, what I do know about it is similar to what I said earlier with empathy is because of our brain's ability to mold and flex. So as I said, it's called neuroplasticity. It just, it's about flexibility of the brain. When you are grateful and our children as well, uh, those things become more real. Your brain literally changes shape. So that's why you're feeling better um, because you're, you're tuning your brain to feel positive, to feel grateful, to, to recognize those small things. So it is, it is the power. It is a powerful tool. And I'm so glad that's happened to you. And, and I hope that some of your listeners do it too, because I've done it as well. And it makes a massive difference. It does. There's a question that's coming through around being a single mom. And I want to ask you about that. First of all, do you, do you, in the corporate space, do people know you're a single mom? And does that influence um, your leadership style or even empathy? Um, and then also, how do you juggle it all? How do you juggle being a single mom, being a corporate leader? You don't look like one, by the way, okay? You look as creative as the ad agency. <laughs> but being, being able to be a corporate leader and leading people, and then also being able to show gratitude, because let's face it, parenting in itself is tough, but being a single mom and um, leading with empathy and being grateful is a lot. It is. It is a lot. Um, I have to try and remember all those questions. But the first one was, <laughs> do people know the corporate world? And yes, they do. I mean, it's not like I shout about it from the rooftops. So it's not like I introduce myself. Hi, I'm Mimi. And by the way, I'm a single mom. No. But yes, I'm very open about it. You know, it's it's her and my reality and our life. And I'm very happy with that. And, and you know, we, we, we're doing well. So um, there are times when that influences um what i can and can't do i have a fantastic nanny who helps me so you know i i always 
talk about her having two mums. In fact, she calls my nanny second mummy, which is totally fine with me. Um, because She's happy and and she's in love with this lady and vice versa. So I'm very, very lucky that I have a second woman in my life who helps me bring up that little girl and, and I couldn't do it without her. So yes, people know it's not a secret. Sometimes I have to leave a meeting or do something because she's sick or, or something happens. But most of the time, um, you know, we have a good routine. And, and I think she's learning. She already knows. She's three. She already knows. She understands now why I'm hiding in my bedroom and she can't come up because I'm talking to you. So she's learning. She's learning about, yeah, exactly. If she came in, she would yeah, be waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she thinks everyone's my friend on Zoom. So for this whole lockdown period, you know, she's of course best friends and she would say mommy mommy that's your friend can I say hi and I'd say yes anyway um so yes so so definitely she's part that role is it a role that I don't know whatever it is I hold as a single mom is not uh is is open it's open and and I currently work in the Middle East right so if there's anywhere that's difficult to be a single mom it's probably here um but I love it you know like you I love being a mom and I learn from her all the time and um you know, they see things like we don't see things. And that can be such an amazing uh, grounder and insight base, actually. You know, she says things all the time. I mean, in that article you mentioned earlier, I think I wrote about it when I said, you know, she now asks me questions about the doctors in COVID because I've been explaining to her the best you can to someone that small. Now, granted, her questions are in her context, like, um, do they have lunch? Can they eat pizza? Uh, Do they get bedtime stories? So they're her context, but she's trying, right? She's understanding that these people are doing um, a hard thing. So I try and share everything within reason with her. How do I juggle it? I juggle it because I love it. I love being a mum. I love running my business. I love talking to you. Um, People often ask me how I fit it in. And I just think passion is how I fit it in. I mean, I... I really enjoy it. And, and certainly in the last four months since COVID has started and since this conversation around empathy has elevated and so quickly because the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I can't imagine there being a day when I couldn't fit this in. You know, I just, um, as I said, I have support uh, in terms of her nanny, but otherwise I just follow my heart so much and I just, I enjoy it. And these things come easily to me because I'm talking from the heart because I with the greatest respect I don't have to prepare for these interviews because I'm not selling you anything Mm. it's not like when I pitch at work you have to like prepare for your powerpoint deck right I'm just talking about the things that I've learned and the things that I believe are of value in the world and um, somehow the days come and the days go and everything fits into place if you had to write another book and it's not called softening the edge by well-known empathetic leader Mimi Nicklin what would you call your book if it's about more empathy more love more kindness more understanding more um more love. I don't know. In my head, I'm seeing two people in love and that it's really, really hard sometimes because being single is hard, but also getting along with your partner or husband or wife can also be difficult at times. I would say something. 
would say something about curiosity, like you mentioned earlier. So maybe something around curiosity can change the world. That's not a very good book title, but something I'm- around something around that you know something just doesn't roll off the tongue um but something about that you know something about curiosity being uh, the world's most underused skill or something like that because the I more i talk the more i realize do you there we go we can write it together i like the curiosity because it is because you know what um where, where i grew up curiosity is sometimes related to being nosy or in other people's business right yeah. so so it's not often something that people want you to be. Um, I'll never forget. I was about, I was about twenty, and I, and I did my first. No, I was I was a little bit older, about twenty two, and I did my second radio stint. And I, I had a feature on the show called "Pimp My Brain," and you, I know. <laughs> Thank goodness, uh, I'm not doing it anymore. But you had to ask me questions that you wanted to know the answers to, and that was the first time. So in my twenties, later on, that I realized that it's okay to be curious. Before that, mm-hmm. I was like, no, I can't ask. And no, because we didn't have the internet like now. Okay. Not that I'm that ancient. I'm just saying we, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't cool to be curious. It was just seen as that you're being a nuisance or that you want to know too much. Um, you know? But it's a currency now, right? Like curiosity is, it's a currency that we could use. Maybe that's the name of the book. Um, curiosity, curiosity the currency. Done. Write it down. Write it down quickly before I forget it. I'll have to WhatsApp you and be like, what, what did we call that book again? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that that's a really interesting space. And, and the other thing, because I am thinking about writing a second book and, and what I, what I am curious about uh, for that second book is there's loads of really interesting learnings in the education sector, in the healthcare sector that stay in those sectors and doesn't get taken out and could be used so much more widely. Um, why is it that we're so preoccupied with education systems for children and then it's like they turn 21 and we stop worrying about educating ourselves anymore? I mean, it's not like we don't do training, but I just think there's, as I said, curiosity in other fields where we could take information and apply it on a wider sphere because there's amazing stuff in healthcare research that nobody other than the pharmacy companies ever look at. Mm. So that could be interesting. I am a big believer. So I, I learned to read very late in my life. Even though I speak for a living, reading is not something that comes naturally. I have to sit with a book and 10 pages is really hard. That's why I enjoy podcasting. You know, it, it's just easier or, or audiobooks. But I love how children's books, and I mean, I'm in my children's room, how children's books can teach you the basics, the basics of curiosity or the basics of emotions. And and that's one thing that I saw in your Empathy for Breakfast. When you picked up the book and started reading from a children's book, I was mesmerized. I was like, wait a minute, she gets it. She's doing it right now, you know? And it's almost like you want to, uh, you're talking about education for adults. It's almost like I want to say, even if you're a parent-to-be and you don't have the little ones just yet, you have no idea of, uh, about how many lessons you can actually learn. I mean, where I'm sitting now, I'm looking at the Gruffalo, right? And the Gruffalo, his teeth and his fangs, I know, is hanging out and his purple spikes. And in that little book, for instance, it talks about how just because he looks scary, you don't have to fear him, you know? 
just because the, the problem or the goal looks like you can't reach it, it doesn't mean that you can't have it, you know? Look at Mimi and her career. You've got a fantastic CV and you've done amazing things in, in corporate and it will inspire any woman that needs to go back to work just say you can have it all. Your balance might look a bit different, but you can have it all, you know? I, I think, like, I, I think it's, you're right. So two things. I think the children's book thing is absolutely right. So often I read to my little girl and I'm like, oh, that's really wise. I should use that, you know, because there's just so much wisdom in there. Uh, secondly, the way they see things. So they'll say things to you like, oh, look, mommy, that something, something, something. And you're like, a really good point um, and thirdly your point about you know maybe mums going back to work or, or those types of balance I think you can have it all you can't have it all in my opinion in equal measure no right uh, because because you're doing lots of things at once and yeah. um, so there is balance and there is um, decisions and choices that you have to make every day you know you have to do that but I, I, I just for me there's so many ways to do that. And, and I wish that more women had confidence in that to just try, like, just give it a go ladies, because if you don't like it or it doesn't work, well then it wasn't forever. Um, but one of the things that I think is so important is that we empathize with ourselves as mums and as women and as men, um, and don't give up on things that you love and that feed your soul, uh, because you're a parent, because the more you feed your soul, the more you can be a great parent because you just have so much more to give. Um, so yes, I love that last one you made about, you know, just going back and giving it a go and, and believing in that and, and being empathetic towards what you need as a human being. Cause just because we're mums doesn't mean we're not also women and sisters and all of those other wonderful things. If there was, if there was one thing that you would want your daughter to remember mm -hmm. around, around empathy and feelings, what would it be? What would you say to her? What I, well, what I do say to her every day, so sort of an answer to your question, is we have a mantra, me and my little girl, in the mornings and sometimes in the afternoons and sometimes in the evenings, depending on how difficult the day is in lockdown, but certainly in the mornings, uh, which is today I will be kind in my words and my actions and my thoughts. And she knows it. She knew it from like day two. And... I want her to believe and feel that, and she does. And I want her, if I could wish for her, I would wish for her to always have that because it's very calming. You mentioned the word calm earlier on today. Um, whatever happens, you know, if you're teaching your child uh, manners, you're teaching them not to hit, you're teaching them not to pull the cat by its tail, you're teaching them to say thank you, you're teaching them to stand up to a bully or to deal with a difficult teacher, or any of those things. Um, I think having a, a mantra is a, and that just means a sentence. Mm. People listen, that's, it's just a sentence that you, you know and you can believe in and you can feel. Um, I would wish that for her. I would wish that she can carry that with her and then whatever life throws at her, because I use it myself, you can use that. And sometimes in business and in life, really bad stuff happens, right? And, uh, we're faced with choices as to how we respond as a mom, as a parent, as a boss, as a leader, as a CEO, whatever. Um, and knowing that you can always go back to that. I will be kind in how I respond to this. Uh, sometimes can be everything you need or a child can need to just take a breath and look at things slightly differently and work out how you can respond in that way, how you can be a bit more empathetic, uh, have a little less judgment because I, 
I think probably everyone agrees the world could do with a little bit less judgment um, and be kind in, in those responses. So I'm not sure that perfectly answered your question, but hopefully that's a, a good way to sort of close off that, what I wish for her sort of answer. Softening the Edge is Mimi Nicklin's book, well-known empathetic leader, marketer, communication specialist. She's the coolest boss you'd ever want, okay? So if you go to Dubai, look for Mimi <laughs> and ask her for a gig. Empathy for Breakfast is what she does on a Tuesday and it will continue until the end of time. So Empathy for Breakfast is on a Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. South African time. Uh, I think it's around 10 at you, right? It is 10 here, but it's 8 in South Africa. It's 8 in South Africa. And uh, you have to follow her podcast. I looked and you haven't liked it yet. So <laughs> Secrets of the Gap is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and on all other platforms. Podcast platforms, uh, but more importantly, check out her website. So it's miminicklin.com uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's forward slash miminicklin, and then on Facebook, Mimi Nicklin Leadership. Mimi, thanks for your insights and thanks for your empathy. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I just it's a little bit later here, so my day is uh, just about to end. It's supper time in my house, and I couldn't have ended my day with any more smiles or, or gratitude to be here and sharing you and your children's uh, room that you're in. So thank you. thank you so much for having me and, and bringing energy into my little house over here in Dubai today. Anytime. For more inspiring stories and podcasts, you can go to babybrunch.co.za. Click on podcast, the parenting series. Listen to the podcast. From myself, Ilana, bye. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. Fed Health. We let you be you.